Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest on the broadcast is a gentleman whose work into the literary community have, has been uh, unexcelled. He has been involved in free speech battles, freedom of the press battles over the years. He founded the City Lights Bookstore. He was a young man who grew up in France. He has uh, served in the, uh, the US Navy during World War II. He came to North Beach and opened a bookstore which became a haven and a center for the expression of ideas in the beat movement and continues to thrive just around the corner and down the street. We please welcome poet and bookstore owner, Lawrence Ferlinghetti to West Coast Live. Thank you. Great to see you. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. So which came first, the Cafe Trieste or City Lights? Uh, it's the chicken and the egg. Yeah. But uh, we started in 53, and I think Trieste started in uh, 57, 56. So what'd you do for coffee in the meeting? I remember when it opened, there was no other cafe in North Beach where you could uh, get espresso and cappuccino except the old Tosca cafe. So how inextricably linked in your experience are coffee and the beat movement? And first years, this was the place where the beat poets hung out, and uh, especially here at the back tables. So you, when you walk into this room, there must be all kinds of ghosts that just leap out at you. I can see Allen Ginsberg and Gregory Corso sitting at the back table here, and, and Gregory picking up the most beautiful woman in the place, of course, as usual, and Alan picking up the most beautiful boy. <laughs> So did you uh, get any lessons on their techniques? Bill Talon earlier mentioned how you would somehow just like move a cup of coffee just slightly across the table. Oh, they, they, that was a trade secret. <laughs> and you've seen this neighborhood change evolve as well. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, there was the year of Carol Dota and the, the big nipples out the sign there. There's been uh, the, the influence of, the, of, the, of Chinatown that's, that's come in, into North Beach. People have been in, in flux here over the, over the years. There's been the dot-com revolution. You've seen a vast range of changes here in the city. We didn't have a dot-com revolution here. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Carol Dota North Beach is the tourist North Beach, and uh, what I call a little old wooden North Beach is the, the tourist of the residents, and the, the, at the center, that's really Cafe Trieste. It's amazing that, that you, you could walk down the street and there would be a tourist building uh, a locals building, uh, that, that they would just vary. There was no kind of, uh, there's not a strip mall feel to this neighborhood. No, never was, no. You have a, a, a poem that you've, uh, that you've written uh, in response to the events of, of, uh, in, in New York that will be published in the San Francisco Chronicle on Sunday. Is uh, yeah. Well, I, uh, I'll follow it with a m much more lighthearted poem. I mean, kind of, this is such a, light-hearted, loving occasion, I should say that the Café Trieste and the family of the Café Trieste put out so much love instead of the hate which is being put out all over the world these days. Shall I go ahead? And this is the history of the airplane. This is Lawrence Ferlinghetti. The airplane and the Wright brothers said they thought they had invented something that could make peace on Earth when their wonderful flying machine took off at Kitty Hawk into the kingdom of birds. But the parliament of birds was freaked out by this man-made bird 
and fled into heaven. And then the famous spirit of St. Louis took off eastward and flew across the big pond with Lindy at the controls in his leather helmet and goggles hoping to sight the doves of peace. But he did not even, even though he circled Versailles. And then the famous flying clipper took off in the opposite direction and flew across the terrific Pacific. But the Pacific doves were freaked out by this strange amphibious bird and hid in the Orient sky. And then the famous flying fortress took off, bristling with guns and testaroni to make the world safe for peace and capitalism. But the birds of peace were nowhere to be found after Hiroshima, after Hiroshima. And so then, Clever men built bigger and faster flying machines, and these great man-made birds with jet plumage flew higher than any real birds and seemed about to fly into the sun and melt their wings and, like Icarus, crash to earth. And the Wright brothers were long forgotten in the high-flying bombers that now began to visit their blessings on various third worlds, on various third worlds, and all the while claiming they were searching for doves of peace. And they kept flying and flying until they flew right into the 21st century. And then, one fine day, a third world struck back and stormed the Great Plains and flew them straight into the beating heart of skyscraper America, where there were no aviaries and no parliaments of doves and in a blinding flash, America became a part of the scorched earth of the world. And the wind of ashes blows across the land. And for one long moment in eternity, there is chaos and despair. And buried loves and voices, cries and whispers fill the air everywhere. Lawrence Berlinghetti. As an antidote, as an antidote to that, recipe for happiness anywhere. One small little old cafe on one little old sunny side street with very black coffee in very small cups and one not necessarily very beautiful man or woman who loves you one fine day. Not only Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Not only an antidote, but also sort of a reflection of the, of the complexity of our human experience today. That we can simultaneously hold images of both pleasure and pain in this way, and, and do so with the creation of words. Italians are particularly good at that. <laughs> what have you learned from uh, the Jatas over the years? From the what? From, from the family here. Uh, uh, Love and uh, music. Now, 
Do you let people have coffee drinks in your store when they're looking at books? No, there's so many cafes in the neighborhood, and uh, uh, we've never had actual coffee there. We just have coffee tables. <laughs> well, those, I think, would be a little chewier. <laughs> what are people buying nowadays when they come into your store? Are they looking for a different kind of book, a different kind of poetry? Are they looking for something Buddhist, Zen, something Islamic? What, uh, what are people looking for in your store? Well, surprisingly, uh, even with the Internet revolution, there's a, there's a huge amount of poetry goes through our bookstore every month. It's really fantastic. Someone is reading poetry these days. It's, I mean, you know, people ask questions, what, what could possibly be the place of poetry today? Well, there's plenty of place for it. Well, we just heard two reasons why. Right. <laughs> um, are there kids in the neighborhood who come to you and want to show you their work? Oh, yeah, quite a few. And uh, the, uh, my uh, st standard advice to them, the young writer who says, give me some advice how to become a writer. I said, just write. Get up in the morning, write for one hour, put it in a drawer, and don't look at it for a year. And do that every day for 365 days. And then open the drawer and see what you've got. So at the end of your year, how many pages do you have? Oh, I don't know. I, I keep a, a reporter's notebooks, which are jam full of half-formed half poems, uh, some of which never make it to pass that stage. But. Is it a fragment that comes into your head as you're walking down the street, a, a set of words, uh, a, a rhythm? I really, can, I, I really think of the, of the poet as a, a visitor to this, to this planet who's been given an assignment by some extraterrestrial managing editor to report on the strange happenings down here on this strange planet. And I don't know what he's going to write this month, but... Uh. One, of your, uh, one of your essays you wrote during the, the 1950s about the change of, of poetry in, in San Francisco uh, and how it influenced people is it got poetry out of the academies and into the streets, that there was a street life that came about into poetry in our language as the result of the beat movement here and, and the cafe life. Yeah, it's still going on. I mean, we have uh, street poets living in this building, in fact. How can you identify a street poet? Can you pick out a poet walking down the street? <laughs> He's liable to spout his poem on the street corner. <laughs> there's, a, there's a street named for you now here in San Francisco. Oh, yes, that was, the, uh, that was uh, Mayor uh, Joe, Joe Aliotto's fault. Or rather, Angela Aliotto was running for mayor, and, uh, but uh, Big Joe is still the man behind the throne, and, they got this little alley name for me, which uh, uh, really, I'm really grateful. Can people get parking tickets on it so that they could go park there and get a souvenir that says they got sighted on Ferlinghetti Alley? Sure. You know, that alley was um, in, the, in the 1930s or during Prohibition. That's where the bootleggers backed up their trucks. And there was also an undertaker who backed up his hearses in that alley. So, <laughs> so this, was, this, was, this was a fitting place for poets to hang out, right? Poets, undertakers, and bootleggers. Uh, that's, a, that's a particularly kind of a potent combination of, of, of images just right there. As a, as a publisher, you were, uh, you, were, you were critical in making it possible for Allen Ginsberg's Howell uh, to be published in Fighting the Obscenity Trial. Are you at all worried about any changes in our free speech issues nowadays as we enter this 
wartime mentality? Definitely, especially since September 11th. I mean, it's getting to be more and more like 1960. I, uh, yesterday I was on the bus and someone I didn't know accosted me and told me about, he said he was a, a professor at City College of San Francisco and the, his department head, who's a Pakistani, had been stopped uh, be, uh, by police because he had said something in class about, well, maybe there's two sides to this story. Maybe the chickens are coming home to roost. And one of the students in that class went home and told her family. The family called the campus police. The police came to the classroom and uh, took the academic senate to stop that. But imagine what, this, what effect this has to the rest of the faculty, that they can't say a word in class except rah-rah, everything that's going on is wonderful, and I mean, uh, the government is doing just the right thing. I mean, the, the major television networks all saying that 90% uh, of the population is behind Bush's making war. I think that's a pure lie. And in this country, there is a... In San Francisco, it's not 90%. And in this country, I and mean, part of what is, is part of this country and what you have fought for in the past as well, has been the right to dissent. I mean, it's, it's what even goes up to the Supreme Court. There are nine people and there are dissenters. I mean, it is part of the American tradition that is part of our strength, and yet sometimes it's viewed then as something we should not do as a weakness. I know, in 1960, it was the, uh, in, in the 60s, in the Un-American Activities Committee, and I'm wondering whether a new one is not going to be formed one of these days by the Congress, which seems to be rubber stamping the president. There are, there are uh, currently conflicting bills in the House and Senate. One suggests that these changes will disappear after uh, five years and others not. Do you have any sort of sense of optimism? What changes will disappear? Well, that, that there are certain restrictions, that, that there are wiretapping laws and so forth that are being passed to allow terrorists to be tracked down. Uh, perhaps easier, but also it affects every other American as well. So the, uh, the ends justify the means, which what's, uh, that was a big communist argument. Oh, we can suppress thought in the Soviet Union because we, we have this glorious paradiso as the end in view. So we can uh, persecute people and suppress uh, their thoughts, etc., because it's the end in view that counts. Well, this argument, they're using the same argument here now. So it have temporary uh, repression of uh, civil liberties, though, because we're aiming for the big one. The big good, eventually. So this must be an odd sense of deja vu, then, for you, to go back 40 years to another time of another political climate. Yeah, well, also for many other people who are younger, I think. The, uh, your experiences of World War II and going to Japan after the dropping of the atom bomb and so forth, this clearly colored your poem. Um, and, and must also your thoughts now about, what, about the wartime existence. Do you, do, you f do you fear anything for yourself at this point? Well, no, I, uh, because I, am, I was such a model American boy. I was an Eagle Scout at 15. I was actually in the uh, Normandy invasion the first morning on an anti-submarine vessel. I was in... Uh, Nagasaki three weeks after the bomb was dropped there. So it's in some ways, I mean, I've, when I've talked with people who've been through that experience, that there's a sadness that, that their life in some ways is sort of book framed by these major conflicts. 
Well, of course, there'd be a sadness, yeah. Could I hear that poem about coffee again? In the, would you be able to recite that? I sort of improvised it. Uh, there's a poem on the uh, menu of, the, of Rose Pistola, which is a little different. I can give you that version now. Um, uh, one grand boulevard in sun, one grand cafe with very black coffee in very small cups. One not necessarily very beautiful man or woman who loves you on fine day. Thank you. Lawrence Ferlinghetti, founder and publisher of City Lights Books, just down the street. And uh, thanks for coming and talking about your memories and, and giving us both the new poems and the, and the older senses. Lawrence Ferlinghetti here at Cafe Korea. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.